Hello, and welcome to the AI Spectrum Podcast. I'm your host, Spencer Kane. In this series, we talk to experts all across Siemens about a wide range of AI topics and how they are applied to different technologies. Today, I am joined by Dr. Justin Hodges, an AIML technical specialist and product manager for SimCenter. Justin's PhD is in machine learning usage in turbo machinery from the University of Central Florida. Welcome, Justin. Hi, it's nice to talk today. Before we get started, can you tell us a little bit about your background and your position at Siemens? My background was in aerodynamics and thermodynamics and heat transfer and that sort of traditional track within mechanical engineering at University of Central Florida. 2016, I was exposed to what happens in the CFD, CAE space once you start augmenting what you're doing with machine learning. Fell in love with it and had my first professional experience with it in 2017. And then basically every moment since professionally and out of intellectual interest, or whatever you want to call it, extracurricular reading and playing around and things like that, has been to try and further my understanding of AI and how it can have us getting more accurate answers and better times and stuff in CAE space. So recently, now I guess a couple of years ago, I started formally doing that as my job within our SimCenter landscape at Siemens in digital industries. What that looks like today is basically we have a matrix of products at in our SimCenter portfolio, so Star CCM Plus and all kinds of software that you may have heard about for different purposes. And essentially, AI and ML plays a unique role in each of those different software for different personas and different tasks and different design disciplines. So my role in product management for that grid of products is to essentially look at where we have the most opportunity to introduce AI and ML for our users, whether that's dedicated tools, whether that's specific features at the surface in the GUI that the user can be exposed to that's, you know, AI ML powered, or whether that's things behind the scenes that is acting maybe unnoticed to try and help the user have better answers faster, that sort of thing. Well, that sounds great. So you mentioned using AI in a lot of different ways, both exposing it to the user and kind of having it behind the scenes. Can you go into a little bit more depth on that? Can you tell us a little bit about how you're using AI ML in your work today and maybe in the future? Siemens overall is a long-term investor in AI technology. You, know, you can look up, I don't remember the specific numbers, but you know we're always pretty much a global leader in terms of patents and innovation in that, in that criteria as well as for AI and ML. So this is no new thing whatsoever, but if you dial it down to this SimCenter space with our portfolio of products for simulation and test, then you can start to bracket into different categories. We have some groups that work on innovation and future technologies, you know, things that are emerging as great candidates for high returns or simulation users, but have yet to be kind of vetted and proven. So we have groups looking into those research projects and, and topics and investigating them. But then on the other side of the spectrum, we really have specific products and specific products features that are already being rolled out that are AIML heavy. And it becomes challenging to try and label those in the, as few of bins as possible. But, I mean, there's really a few macro use cases you could at least start the conversation with that are really popular in terms of, like, our industrial users. So you could say surrogate modeling is one big area that AIML plays a role. There's solver innovation, which would be some of those behind-the-scenes things. And there's a number of specific examples that fall into the macro use case of user experience and workflow intelligence. And, I, you know, from there, you could branch out and name more like uh, automated 
tasks and things like that for engineering tasks that you want to automate and which would otherwise be like a lengthy process or something with a lot of clicks. I think that's a reasonable sort of categorization of a few. So it sounds like you're using AI ML in a whole wide range of different applications. And it would be great if we could just drill down and start looking at some of those applications and maybe just see a little bit more about those in detail. So to get things kind of started here, I'd like to ask you about how you and your team are using AI to improve the user experience. Yeah, that's a good question. There seems to be certain themes in industries that are big waves of pushing and effort and stuff like that. And definitely one as of late is this idea of user experience and that sort of thing. So it makes sense because a big tenant of our portfolio is modeling complex physics faster. So naturally, as we want to model more and more complexity, some of the burden could be put on the user to actually go through a lot of steps and it'd be painful. And then more so, simulation costs time and money for licensing, but also like the time for the engineers to do this. So it's a huge, important tenant. And we're taking it as such a priority in terms of how we're looking at things. So there's a bunch of examples. One recent one that our engineering services team for Star CCM Plus is capable with and selling today and, and already like helping companies with is in terms of uh, part classification. So really the focus there is on the automotive industry because when people are doing their simu- simulations on these cars, you know, there's the inside cabin, there's a vast amount of parts on the underhood, there's the external aerodynamics. Yeah, I mean, it's like thousands of parts inside, you know, a typical sort of assembly and simulation that are there. And maybe 10,000, you want to reduce it, but uh, get rid of junk parts, parts you don't need to model, that sort of thing. So the prototype or the capability is to have a machine learning model that can do this part for the user in the workflow of going by each and a part individually, naming it and classifying, you know, what exactly it is. Is it a bolt? Is it a nut? Is it a long rod? Is it a bearing? That sort of thing. With other automation inside our portfolio, in that case, Star CCM Plus, it can automatically assign material properties, boundary conditions, naming conventions, assign it to the right region, that sort of thing. So it's taking something that would normally take like, depending on case by case, but nominally five to 10 full working days, and it can reduce it to something that can happen in, you know, a couple hours in terms of running through and doing the the automatic classification. So that's one really powerful example. You know, it really fits with the theme of you want to model more and more complex cars and also do it faster. So it sounds like you're you're using this AI to pare down the amount of work needed for classification of different parts and different components in a car. Is there a reason you'd want to be classifying those components to begin with, or are they not, would they not be already classified? Right. So the starting point is really CAD. Maybe it comes from NX and that sort of thing. But when you're doing your CFT simulations or if you're doing a mechanical analysis, I mean, it really depends, but essentially it's going to have to be adapted every time. You know, like in one software, you would assign material properties in a certain way, or you would want to refine the mesh on certain components to be more fine. You know, if you're doing aerodynamics and you're looking at the fender in one particular part of the domain where it has a very sharp curvature, you know know that you'll have separation there as a key concern to the performance on the, say, overall drag. And as a result, you have to sort of label that part as such to be meshed and refined with some mesh settings that you wouldn't want to apply everywhere else because then it would be too costly to have such local refinement. So in the grand scheme of things, when you're working with that number of parts, it'll always be of interest to, to assign 
maybe four or five specifications for every part. And again, if you have upwards of 10,000 parts, you know, that's why it takes such a large amount of effort to do this manually. So it's really great. You can have a tool that can do this classification and fractions of a second per part. Yeah, that does sound really helpful. Huge time saver there. It sounds like you're using artificial intelligence in a lot of different ways to help with part classification and then kind of in simulation as well. And I would really love to hear more about how you're using AI in simulation and testing beyond just what you've mentioned already. So the next one to probably touch on would be surrogate modeling. It's simple in concept, but it has pretty high value add to the user. So, you know, essentially there's a finite amount of time in a design cycle and you want to run oftentimes far too many simulations that are possible to find the best design and, and things of that nature, given the time constraint. So a common thing to, to go to is, well, what if I create some sort of surrogate to simulation in the form of a reduced order model or response surface model or machine learning based model, kind of synonyms there. But what if I could create those that are more or less real time predictive for inference? And then that way, instead of say running another 10 hour simulation, I can, after enough simulations, have an accurate ROM and then just inquire and infer what the results are for some new design point. This could be really a few different ways that it goes down. So one would be design exploration. I want to explore a space. So you can alternate between simulation and ROM-based population of those data points that you're really interested in. Or it could be done as well in optimization. Let's say you have a bank of simulations and you train a machine learning model, and then you want to do like a few different optimization cycles. You know, maybe each time the boundary conditions or operating conditions are different. So you want to have like an, uh, an idea on the optimal designs and things like that for each case. So rather than having to rerun all the simulations, as long as you've had some to date to form a modest sized database, then you can train a surrogate to do it for you. And it really just keeps compounding because, you know, you have to do sensitivity analysis, CAD sensitivity analysis, that is robust and reliability studies to make sure that your good designs really don't break down at infrequent operating conditions and things like that. So there, I mean, it's really common that you would you know, try to fill a space in a sampling technique that would give you like thousands of cases to run, which is just not infeasible. So yeah, AI NML really plays a plays a role here. And we have some great features inside Heats and, and other other places for exploring this design space with like lean sampling approaches, adaptive sampling, things like that. So it couples really nicely. In the end, you save a lot of time and uh, resource to run all the cases. Yeah, that does sound like it would be a huge benefit, similar to how you're Cutting down the part classification from weeks to hours, is it a similar kind of benefit here in simulation when you go move to like AI-powered models instead of running full simulations every time? Yeah, there's, there's a similar time, time savings, uh, absolutely. Typical approaches would be random sampling or uniform sampling, but you know this is really much more lean and efficient if you start from the beginning with these adaptive approaches and you build surrogates and then you can do you know, spin-off studies at basically no cost, just purely based on surrogates and ROMs. I mean, it's really a compounding effect in terms of like how much knowledge you can capture in terms of your design space exploration from just like a core group of simulations. And then would you be able to recycle these models, so to speak, into future projects and continue the trend of capturing that data and shortening timeframes? That's a good point. Yeah, that really is another another area like that a lot of companies are in, whether it's 
gasoline engines moving towards electrification or whether it's just shorter manufacturing and design cycles. You know, there's a lot of pressure in industry, all these companies to do to output things faster. And part of the key like sort of inhibitor and taking a three year design to product time frame to like half of that or something insane. One key inhibitor is the serial type of nature. I'll do a few different fidelity simulations in serial, like chaining together in different steps and tools. Maybe I also have to do cross-discipline type design as well. So, you know, after the aero group does their work, then the heat transfer group does their work, etc. You know, what happens if when you get to the end of the cycle, you realize that one of the groups is not okay with the design? You somewhat have to start the process over, which is very dangerous to delivering on time if you're in a several-year project and you're towards the end. Starting all over can be catastrophic. So one really big thing is transfer learning, where I've done some problem, maybe engine type one, quote unquote, and then the next year I do a similar looking engine or similar looking design, but it is unique. Well, at least in the early stages of the design, I can sort of predict at later stages what my results would be based on machine learning based models. Whereas before I might not have such a good idea because I kind of just have to wait and do the simulations later on at the later stages to see what happens. So having that knowledge, at least in an inference or hypothesis type way, is very valuable early in the process. It can prevent these big catastrophic things for the schedule where unforeseen design results come up and things like that. Yeah, I would imagine that having to go back to the drawing board at the end after you've completed everything would be a big issue for a lot of companies or designers in general, really. But that is all the time we have for this episode. Once again, I'd like to thank Dr. Justin Hodges for joining me today on the AI Spectrum Podcast. I've been your host, Spencer Kane. Thank you all for joining me, and be sure to tune in for the next episode, where Justin and I will continue our chat. 